Pearls of Excellence, a series produced by the Foundation for Excellence in Women's Health in collaboration with the SASCOG, the Society of Academic Specialists in General Obstetrics and Gynecology. Today's pearl is entitled Management of Ureteral Injuries, authored by Dr. Larry J. Copeland, edited by Dr. Abimbola O. Famiyide. Ureteral injuries are relatively uncommon and may be more common with gynecologic than other types of abdominopelvic surgery. The incidence of ureteral injuries ranges from less than 0.1% to over 1%, depending on the surgery being performed and approach, including laparoscopy, robotic-assisted surgery, and laparotomy. Reported rates of ureteral injuries are higher for abdominal hysterectomy than for vaginal hysterectomy. A recent Cochrane meta-analysis of surgical approach to hysterectomy for benign gynecological diseases showed higher risks of urinary tract injuries from laparoscopic hysterectomy compared with abdominal approach. However, no differences were found in rates between robotic and laparoscopic or between laparoscopic and vaginal approaches because of low event rates. Risk factors include prior surgery, malignancy, infection, a large uterus, endometriotis, and pelvic organ prolapse. Prevention of injury is critical. However, there are no well-established methods for most surgical settings. Preoperative stenting has not been generally shown to reduce the risk of injury. Lighted stents have been described but have not been well studied in gynecology. Intraoperative identification is key to avoid permanent injury. Ureteric identification is best accomplished by incising the peritoneum lateral to the infundibulopelvic ligament and dissecting the avascular space bounded medially by the ureter, laterally by the internal iliac artery, and the cardinal ligament at the apex. The ureter can be traced on the medial leaf of the broad ligament as it courses through the ureteric tunnel. This dissection will suffice for most gynecologic procedures involving removal of adnexal structures. Ureteric injuries can be related to kinking, contusion, crush injury, laceration, transection, litigation, devascularization, or thermal injury. Diagnosis is best accomplished in the acute setting, although the majority of injuries may not be diagnosed until later. If injury is suspected, intraoperative evaluation, including careful evaluation for type and extent of injury, cystoscopy, and possible ureteral catheterization is indicated. In the acute or near postoperative period, retrograde pyelography is the most sensitive study. If undiagnosed, the most common presenting signs and symptoms include abdominal pain, ileus, possible peritonitis, leukocytosis, and fever. Flank pain may or may not be present. If ureteral injury is suspected postoperatively, cystoscopy or retrograde pyelography may be performed. CT intravenous pyelography may be used if these studies cannot be conducted. In gynecologic surgery, the distal aspect is the most commonly injured location, typically near the bladder at the proximity of the ureter and the uterine artery. Other locations may include near the pelvic brim or near the utero-ovarian ligament. Some injuries, such as an incomplete obstruction and kinking, may be treated with a stent placement. If suture has caused the obstruction, suture removal may be required. For more significant injuries, including crush injuries and transection, the surgical approach depends on the location. For distal injuries, 
ureteroneocystotomy is appropriate, in which the distal ureter is reimplanted into the bladder. The reimplanted ureter is stented and the bladder drained. The stent is typically left in place for six weeks. An abdominal drain, such as a JP drain, should be placed in the event an anastomotic leak may occur. A psoas hitch may be necessary to avoid tension on the reimplanted ureter. More proximal ureteral injuries may necessitate a ureter ureterostomy, usually for small defects, 2 to 3 centimeters, in which the injured ureter may be resected and a primary anastomosis performed. In a proximal injury in which the distal segment cannot be used, a bory flap or creating a tubular flap to function as a distal ureter may be needed. If the length of damaged ureter prevents consideration of a ureteroneocystotomy or ureterarieterostomy, then a transureterarieterostomy may be indicated in which the injured ureter is anastomosed into the contralateral ureter. Finally, in extreme cases, renal autotransplantation or the use of a substitute material such as gastrointestinal segments may be necessary. Be sure to visit our website for the full version of this pearl and to follow up with suggested further readings and references. You should also review the important notices on use and reliance on our pearls articles. Visit us at excellence.org. This article is protected under copyright laws of the United States. No redistribution is authorized without the expressed written consent of the Foundation for Excellence in Women's Health.